0: Hello, this is the World in First Person, a podcast where we talk not with a tourist but with a real local and today I was supposed to announce in this moment the guest, but today I'm the guest (laughs) and I'm being interviewed by Susie, you probably know her from the last episode, hello Susie, I'm just doing the intro so (laughs) now it's up to you
1: okay so i thought i'd start the same way that you started with me which is to say where are you from exactly in brazil
0: okay i was born in Curitiba, which is a city in the southern part of brazil it's the capital of a state it's a city big enough to have a fifa world cup stadium (laughs) and I live nowadays in Florianópolis, and I lived there since 2002, so it's been a while. And it's the capital of another state, a little bit more to the south. It's an island with 42 beaches and perhaps the only region in Brazil where it's cold in the winter, which by the way is now.
1: In Florianópolis, am I saying that correct?
0: Yes, the name comes because of a former brazilian president called floriano so it's floriano polis from city
1: oh so did he name it after himself
0: no they named it after him but he was a non-democratic person he was a military man but well i'm receiving whatsapp memes and funny things regarding how cold it is right now over there
1: but how cold does it actually get in Brazil. So, like, it's not Berlin cold, I'm assuming.
0: No, it's zero to five degrees in the coldest days. Mm. Once or twice coming below zero, but on average between 10 and 15. So, in some parts, this is summer.
1: Yeah, it's a bit like Australia. And so, how hot does it get in the summer?
0: In the summer, it's that beach mood. It's not too hot in my region. Like okay. 30 degrees and a little bit up, a little bit down from that. Mm-hmm. There are some regions in the country where there's 35, 40 sometimes.
1: Because Brazil is actually really large. It's so like as in just also the, the mass it spans, because it basically goes most of the South American continent, doesn't it? On the eastern coast, is that right?
0: Yes, it's giant. And <laughs> There are different regions with different cultures. And I was wondering before recording that whether I try to talk about everything at last a bit or if I would focus in my region. I think that it would be good to give also some references about the other regions.
1: Hmm. How, so how many regions are there?
0: There are five. There's my region, the, the South, with three states right on the tip of brazil on the southern tip and brazil it's roughly like a south america shaped country inside south america <laughs> so yeah, actually, there is yeah. this there's the southeast with the most populous the most active economies in the country like sao paulo rio de janeiro they are in the southeast there is the northeast right in the north towards the atlantic with nine states and they have a very proper a very peculiar culture i really like the people from the northeast and their culture they have a different accent as well i recognized somebody in the subway in berlin one of those days (laughs) speaking in that accent and it was really nice there is also the north where the biggest portion of the Amazon rainforest is located. Mm -hmm. There are some states there, and a large amount of those states is forest, simply. They are developing in some way, and there's a lot of cattle breeding and and crops. And there is the Mm center-west. It's in the center, but (laughs) towards the west. Okay. And it's it's the fifth region where there is the federal district. Mm-hmm. An interesting fact about Brazil is that the capital was built from scratch. In the 60s, it was inaugurated. It was built like in the heart of the country, in a region where there was nothing before they, they built that. And some say it was something done to put power far from the traditional elites and from pressure on the population mm-hmm. but it's a really nice city if you have the opportunity to visit there someday brasilia is a nice city
1: yeah and i think that's interesting because i feel like some people might think that rio is the capital of brazil
0: until 1960 i will edit that if i say the year wrong <laughs> but it was rio de janeiro and it was Rio de Janeiro since the beginning of the country, let's say. Mm. Brazil got independent in the 19th century and it was Rio de Janeiro until 1960.
1: Okay, so is that why Rio is kind of the, the most well-known internationally? Or do you, why do you think that is?
0: The biggest city is São Paulo. But Rio de Janeiro, there is carnival, there is this cultural traits, the beautiful beaches, some very famous spots for tourism. Mm -hmm. And I guess that the fact that it remained as capital for so much time turned it most well known. And the, the institutions developed there during this period, probably embassies and all of the government bodies were centered yeah. there. It's really nice, although there's violence, there's a, a lot of reports of bad things happening there, but mm. it's a really nice city. I, I yeah. went there a couple of times. My sister lives in Hugia Little State, not in the mm. city itself. The first time I went there was in 2017, so it was not in my early childhood.
1: Yeah, I think I was in Rio in 2017. I went to Carnival that year.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. This was
0: expected.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very cool city. You said a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. The first is, well, we might go back to government, but now that we're on the topic, can you give listeners a little bit more of an insight into what Carnival is? Because I think most of us just think that it's a party, but there's like, when I was there at least, there seemed to be, there was a lot more to it than I had kind of thought before I went.
0: Yes, Brazil is a very Catholic country Mm -hmm. and other branches of Christianism are growing in the country right now, but in its origins, the church was intertwined with the political structures. Mm -hmm. And there is the Easter time and there are those 40 days before Easter and Mm -hmm. Carnival is right before those 40 days start.
1: Right. So before you're about to give up things, you have this big party.
0: Yes, where people frequently go crazy and surpass the threshold. <laughs> but it starts in the Friday and it goes until the morning of the next Wednesday. It's a rule that's respected everywhere, that even if you are used to work in the mornings, the morning of this Wednesday you don't work, you go to work in, on the afternoon. And there are those parades in the cities and you probably watch it to something in Rio de Janeiro to those parades. They're giant and it's really nice to watch.
1: Blockers? Are they called blockers?
0: What we call blocos is when people assemble in the streets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a band, sometimes there's not a band, but people assemble in huge numbers and they go with costumes and some Blocos are themed, they dress uh, similarly, they have a specific t-shirt or not, anything goes. There are those standardized parades and they are pretty much like a football league. <laughs> there are those institutions we call Samba schools and they prepare the whole year to that day, to that parade. And the communities get involved in the process of preparing the costumes. Each samba school has a proper song, they compose a song, and this song is the theme for that samba school. And they prepare all the costumes and the cars, we call it allegory cars. I don't know whether there is a better word to describe that in English, but they prepare those giant cars where people go up on and they're very creative so this happens not only in rio de janeiro this happens in almost every city at last when there is a relevant amount of people in the city it, if it's a capital of the state if it's one of the biggest cities in the state mm. there will be a parade and it's like a football league with some judges and points and people fighting not to fall to the access division <laughs> and the criteria is like whether the drums were playing synchronized and well-oriented, well-conducted, the costumes, the theme song, how harmonious was the composition. It's fun to tell it. And
1: are there dancers? Like choreographed dancers?
0: They have some, we call Alice, each part of mm. the Samba School Parade. They have some parts which are choreographed, but it's not a rule. It's interesting that in the northern part of Brazil, we have a festival called Parintins Festival, which is celebrated in Parintins, which is a city in the north, in the heart of the Amazon rainforest. And people there developed a very peculiar skill to build allegoric cars that move with moving parts, like giant moving parts. You imagine this dragon that this giant dragon that yeah, moves wow. the head and, and they develop this ability there and people in Rio de Janeiro and other major cities they kind of import people from Parintins to help doing the allegory cards. Ah
1: uh, that's so interesting. Carnival, this is another festival. How many festivals are there? Is it? Are they the main ones? Are there, or is there a number of kind of big celebrations throughout the year apart from Carnival that people wouldn't know about?
0: There are probably countless festivals, countless kinds of festivals, and each region has a specific cultural trait that brings different kinds of festivals. But in general, in June, there's a. Juning party because it happens in June but it it's also attached to catholic roots regarding the saint john's day and some people call it saint john's instead of juneing festival or juneing party and there's a specific kind of dance people do and it's a ballroom dance it's called foho and Two weeks ago, I was surprised to discover that Berlin has a very active scene. Yeah. It was exported. It's really easy to learn. It's chill. And I'll probably put some links in the episode description about that. And there are specific foods people take during this part of the year. Each region has its own... parties, And sometimes it's an argument for tourism. For instance, in my States, there is a strong German influenced region and they have the biggest Oktoberfest out of Germany. So a lot of people in the rest of the country, they say, oh, I'll go in October to Blumenau, which is the city, the name of the city. I'll go there to the Oktoberfest. And like that, you have other, other festivals during the year that are pretexts for you to travel and to enjoy some.
1: Yeah, I definitely got the sense that Brazilians like to have a party when I was there. But apart from festivals, I, in terms of other things that people like to do, I know when we had the podcast and we talked about Australia, we talked about sport a lot. You mentioned FIFA. I've got some friends who are into capoeira, is that, am I saying that correctly? It's like, um, and Brazilian martial arts. So there's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I think, yeah, capoeira as well which they're both quite popular in australia so is our martial arts really popular in brazil or is that just something that australians think is really popular in Interesting. brazil yes
0: my sister used it to practice that i have a sister 10 years older than me and it's very popular it's something developed in brazil but the roots come from africa there were some centuries where when Brazil was was very relying on slavery until 1888, when slavery was abolished. And they developed, in this period, I guess that Capoeira was developed among mainly these people who were enslaved. But nowadays, it's a very popular thing. And that are Capoeira circles i guess it would be a rough translation it's more frequent perhaps in the northeast but even in my city which is in the south if you walk through the city center in a sunday for instance you will find perhaps one of those circles happening where people will go to the to some square to some part in the street and they start to play capoeira they don't regard that as a competition, and I, I think it's not a competitive martial art. People have more this sense of community, and there is not this sense of putting somebody down, like knocking somebody out.
1: Yeah, I, my friends who have done it, I seem to like. That's what it seems to be like. I think when they speak about it, it doesn't feel about fighting necessarily. Is there dancing involved as well? Because again, I thought that there was some people that they learn.
0: When you're playing capoeira, there are some typical instruments. The most famous one is called mm-hmm. berimbau. It's an instrument consisting of only one string and you play this string with a wood stick. There is a kind of technique for it to be played properly. And during the time when you're playing capoeira, people are singing all the time. And there are capoeira songs that you sing in those circles. And you go with the rhythm. So you know the moves of the martial art. And it looks like a dance in a sense, because people are singing and it's spontaneous. So you go there, you stay for a couple of seconds in the middle of the circle. And then naturally other people come and it's nice to watch
1: okay it sounds awesome it sounds really interesting and so you also mentioned i think just in that last piece that that brazil was dependent on the slave trade for a long period of time i certainly noticed when i was there it seemed very ethnically and culturally diverse when you were walking around and we met lots of people who seemed to i think i would struggle to say what a typical brazilian person looked like when i was there just because i felt like we met Everyone from Brazil looked, was it spanned just, you know, completely different ethnic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds. Would you feel like that's a particular to Rio or is that qu- kind of how it is across Brazil?
0: Probably across Brazil, it's very plural. And we had a lot of periods when immigrants came. For instance, there was a period when a lot of people came from Italy and they established themselves all over the country, but mainly in the South and my father for instance provided me some italian roots there were the germans there's some polish cities or ukrainian cities or like they have those roots but they don't speak the language in most of the cases there was a period with strong japanese immigration for instance and one exception probably is a German region in my state where people, in some cities, a lot of people still speak German. But the thing is, during some decades, Brazil had a very nationalist government that enforced the Portuguese language as the standard language in the streets and other languages in some places were even forbidden to be spoken in the streets and people spoke those languages secretly. And they did that with, with religion as well during some periods. I may say that to the North, according to statistics that were passed to me during the middle school, <laughs> perhaps 70% of the people would be Black or their descendants from Black people. And it's everything mixed. There are many indigenous communities as well, many descendants from those communities, and we have some terms to to designate. For instance, when it's a mixture between some indigenous person and a white one, I guess it's called caboclo. And when it's a white with black person, we call it cafuzo. An indigenous with the Black, I guess it's called mameluco, but it's something we learn at school and it's an oversimplification of how mixed it is the ethnical context in Brazil.
1: And when you said that there was that period of time where the government was quite nationalistic and it's that sense that no matter where you come from, you're Portuguese and so you kind of give up maybe a little bit of your cultural heritage. Do people kind of identify that way? Now, or do you you think currently people are a little bit more, say, tied to their cultural heritage? Like, I feel like in Australia, people are very much like, I'm Australian, but we also have a very multicultural community that people, for example, in my context might say, you know, I'm Irish-Australian, or I'm Italian-Australian, or I'm, how do you feel about how it is currently?
0: People, if you ask them, they'll say they are Brazilian. And if you push a little, then they will tell you about the origins, but they... I feel that people are generally proud of their origins. There is a huge debate regarding racial issues. There is this term historical depth with people that were enslaved and nowadays their descendants structurally suffer some prejudice structurally in the system. If you if you walk through a an elite college classroom you'll see a reduced number of black people and this is visible and there were some policies to counter that the main one we call it quota. it's a quota policy that places in public universities are reserved to people with indigenous or black descendancy it's the effects are being visible like more people attending university and of course it didn't solve the problem but i hope that the trend is of improvement although there's still a lot of racism not so explicit anymore but sometimes you feel it underlying the social relations
1: that's really interesting and I, i think something maybe we talked about in similar contexts when we talked about Australia a little bit as well. I'm also kind of interested, I guess you mentioned disadvantage. Is, do you feel like class is an issue in Brazil in terms of like socioeconomically? I mean, obviously, I guess one term we heard when we were there, you know, favelas or like people living. I mean, and maybe this is, again, I'm sure an oversimplification that there's some people who live in poverty in Brazil. And then there's people that are, you know, is there quite a gap? between like people, people's living standards in Brazil?
0: Yes, there's a lot of inequality in some states more than others. And you see that frequently there are those favelas, those communities. These people use it to live in the cities and they were being pushed more and more. That idea of gentrification, when the wealth starts to come into your place and you're not being able to keep your place anymore. I feel that there is this standing inequality for ages already. And when there's some crisis, like now in the pandemic context, the poor people are hit the hardest. They lose their jobs more easily since they are not frequently so highly educated in terms of formal education. They have difficulty to find new jobs and they're easily replaced. Perhaps the way out is through studying or through entrepreneurship. But most of the people, they don't have the background or the willpower to do that. I don't have the data now in my head, but there's a lot of inequality. And in general, there were some social programs in the beginning of the 2000s that reduced These inequality that mm-hmm. took up many, many millions of people from poverty, from extreme poverty to mm-hmm. some level where they have last dignity and they can pursue a way. I don't know how we'll come out of this crisis.
1: It's interesting. I know in um, Colombia, in Medellin, they talked a little bit about um, when we were there, we did a tour and it was really fascinating about, I guess, communities that at least in some ways, it felt like some similarities to the favelas that we saw in Rio. And about they talked about some of the difficulty being of just also accessing things like healthcare and education and jobs from like physical mobility perspectives when you're located in some of these communities. And a lot of what they had focused on, which might be interesting for people listening to this podcast from like a policy perspective, was just kind of infrastructure and the ability of infrastructure to improve standards of living, things like, escalators and also
0: a cable car
1: a cable car that's it (laughs) That's the word for it i wish i could say i only knew the spanish word but i couldn't even tell you that at the moment but yeah it was really interesting i guess you just said as well crisis at the moment how from what the little i know it seems that brazil has been hit quite hard by the pandemic is that still the case are they going through a wave are they having are you guys having a little bit of a you know remission period in between
0: i feel that according to the data that comes of deaths and etc. It has a plateau, but it's a bad one. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of deaths per day. But I believe that the COVID itself, the death rate from COVID is very, very, very reduced. I guess that people are more victim of the lack of infrastructure and of side effects from the pandemic. A lot of people get anxious, depressed and people start to feel lonely, etc. I feel also that there is a lack of synchronization between the national government and the federal government and the states. Different policy mm. lines being followed, and these, at the end of the day, made the health actions to be far, far, far less efficient than they could be. Mm. I still feel that. Most of the damage comes from the lack of infrastructure and from the side effects of the pandemic, not from the disease itself.
1: Is healthcare the responsibility of the federal government or is it responsibility of the state government?
0: It's a kind of shared responsibility. There is a, a new universal system. So everybody, if you're inside the Brazilian territory, even if you're not Brazilian, you have access to healthcare and you're supposed to have access to that for free. Of course, it works better when the health services are not being overwhelmed. And even before the pandemic, there were lots of problems of lines, people waiting to receive healthcare in a lot of specialties. But as a rule, it's universal. But rich people or people with money enough for that, already in the middle low class, they pay for a private health insurance or a health plan, as we call it there, so they can access better quality services.
1: And before you mentioned, there's been historically some nationalist government, some universal healthcare. Not everyone would think is more of a socialist, I guess, idea or social, at least a social welfare state kind of model. Does. Brazil have a currently and also kind of traditionally, I guess, a leaning one way or the other in terms of being is it its political system or has it really gone through kind of transition periods where it's politically to the left and then politically to the right, for example?
0: I would say that historically there was this monarchy period until 80, 1889. Mm-hmm. And then most of the time it, there were the elites Governing the country and saying the direction to the country. We stayed for a couple of decades in what we call the coffee with milk policy. When Sao Paulo and Minas Gerais, both states, uh, Sao Paulo was famous for the coffee production and Minas Gerais for the milk production. So they were going back and forth in the government, pointing out who would be the president until 1930 when there was this guy, Getúlio Vargas. who started as a democratic president, but afterwards he became a dictator, like an autocrat government. And since this period, there is a kind of orientation towards the right, but it's a very peculiar right, like perhaps a center right, aside from those autocratic mm-hmm. moments of a, apparent extreme right. And then, when we come to the 1960, 60-something, 60 61, 2, right after, right in the, that period of Brasilia being built, there was a kind of leftist threat. People mm-hmm. were fearing communism and there was this military coup. Most of the people today agree that it was a coup. It was not a revolution towards god family and property rights it was a coup from the military and they stayed they stayed in power for 30 years until the redemocratization so after the redemocratization in 1988 there were elections and in general i feel that brazilian people have a conservative mindset but some leftist policies As those ones I mentioned of quotas in the university, of giving away some money for the poorest people to buy food would Mm -hmm. not be implemented perhaps in a right-wing government. Mm -hmm. Even though we're conservative, those policies, they worked. And nowadays with Bolsonaro is regarded as, I would say, as the right that are few things more to the right than Bolsonaro.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think it's just particularly when you have a country that's kind of had such um, changes over time where but where people how people identify, I think, is always not as clear as it seems when if you're from the left or for the right. I think it can be interesting. I was going to ask you in my session, you said if you were a tourist coming to Australia, what would you recommend people do? If you're a tourist coming to Brazil, what would you recommend people do?
0: I'm feeling the hardship of my own question now.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's tricky.
0: Let's follow through the coast. Imagine you're coming to the country from the south. Then we have this state in the tip in the south is called Rio Grande do Sul. And there are people there, we call them gaúchos, which is the same word they use in the cattle breeding region in Argentina to designate people that lived there originally. They have uh, their own traditions and all over the country that are cultural tradition center, something like that, from the gaúchos. So people from this state, they cultivate strongly these, these traditions and If you go to Porto Alegre, which is the capital of the state, you'll probably get acquainted with those. And I would suggest you visit my city, which is an island and it's very beautiful. In the summer, there are so many people from other places, mainly Argentina. Sometimes there's even advertisements directed to them in Spanish. And then I would suggest to visit São Paulo, which is also a... Kind of cultural center that are the, the museums and we're not famous for the museums but the ones we have and the most prominent ones were in the south are in the southeast and sao paulo is the biggest city of latin america well i would suggest also rio de janeiro still in the coast you visited there you may agree that it's worth the the trip i hope nothing bad happens but There's a bad reputation that you'll be robbed if you go there. Of course, it's more risky than other parts of the world. But if you're careful, you will get along well. If people notice you're a foreigner, you start to call attention. Street sellers will come to you as bees and it will be quite an experience. I would like to give one recommendation for the countryside because I'm being very very much in the coast, I would suggest perhaps Brasilia, the capital, it's everything built from scratch and it's everything very nice at last in the, in the center. The city is projected, with the, the part project has a form of, of an airplane, originally it was a bird, but people say today it's an airplane and it's a well-planned city, totally worth the visit. I would have more to say, but it's good enough. I plan to live my life in Brazil, to be there for most of my, my years and to work in government positions probably in the long term. But for the next years, I plan to stay for a while improving my skills so someday i can help to solve perhaps some of the pressing problems in the country it's very idealistic but somebody needs to believe it's possible <laughs> somebody needs to be naive enough perhaps i'll be this guy okay the final message would be i hope you all get an opportunity to visit brazil or at last to read more about, about brazilian culture and Even though we have this idea that the situation in Brazil is the worst, it's very bad, it's pretty much a lot of bad reputation. Perhaps if you're careful, if you still think about going there and regard that as a good thing, you should stick to these plans and make some effort to get there in the next months. everything from these pandemics I, I trust it will pass and if i needed to recommend a song i would recommend one of those from the forro written i mentioned before it's a very famous song in brazil it's called choque da Alegria from a band called falamansa I would put that in the background now starting now probably. In a rough translation it would be shot is the name of a subrhythm from the forró genre, and alegria is joy so joy shot let's say and i hope it's a joy shot in your day. Se afogando em agonia Contra a tempestade em copo d'água então o chote da alegria <risos> Não sei quem sou e vou dar. Eu sei aquilo que eu sempre quis. E se acaso você diz que sonho um dia em ser feliz? Vê se fala sério. Pra que chorar sua mágoa? Copo d'água, dança o jote da alegria.